0: Chapter 4 of The Problem Club. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Matt Bounds. The Problem Club by Barry Payne. Chapter 4 The Win and Lose Problem. At the forty sixth meeting of the Problem Club, the waiters having left the room, Mr. Matthews, smiling and rubicund, took his place as chairman he finished his glass of an old and veritable cognac, lit with care and a cedar-wood spill, a cigar that can only be obtained by the favour of the planter, and read out the terms of the win-and-lose problem. It is required to win an even bet of one pound, resulting in a net loss of one pound, to the winner, and to lose an even bet of one pound, resulting in a net gain of one pound, to the loser. No competitor is to make more than two bets. Well, gentlemen, said Mr. Matthews, I'm supposed to make one or two preliminary observations now here's a thing that strikes me you may remember that when we tackled the kiss problem our reverend friend mr cunliffe said that it revealed the artful leonard as an apostle of morality of course the padre took the jackpot on that occasion and so he may have been prejudiced but it looks to me now as if he may have been right see for yourselves you've got to win a bet and lose money by it and then you've got to lose a bet and make money by it "'and at the end of it, you've left just where you were when you started. "'There's not much deadly fascination and excitement about that. "'Why, it's enough to make you lose your taste for gambling. "'Yes, and there's one more point. "'I noticed a great deal of preoccupation at dinner tonight. "'Very few of you seem to be putting your heart into the work. "'I believe I was the only man who had the vol brought back to him for further reference. "'Great mistake, that of yours. "'Some of you tried to work out sums on the back of your menus.' I detected Major Biles with corrugated brows in the act of making pencil calculations on the tablecloth. Yes, there's not a doubt that Leonard has given you a worrying time, and some of you are wrestling with it right up to the last moment. It won't surprise me if there's not a winner among the whole lot of you. However, we'll begin with a likely chance. You, Sir Charles, have got a reputation as a learned man. Can I ask the secretary to draw a check in your favor? I'd be sorry to stop you, said Sir Charles, but I'm afraid I can't climb it. Archaeology don't help with arithmetic. "'As an eminent classical scholar once observed, "'I've not got the low cunning that makes a mathematician. "'The only thing I could think of "'was to insure the chances of each bet appropriately. "'But it seemed to me that you would regard such insurance "'as being in itself a bet.' "'I certainly should. "'You don't change a thing by changing its name. "'You are limited to the two bets, and I shall not allow four, "'even if you call two of them insurance. "'Come now, Jimmy.' Have you profited sufficiently by your racing experiments to have won the prize tonight? Profited by my racing experiences, said the Honourable James Feldane wearily. If you'd go and talk to the bank that has charge of my overdraft, you wouldn't use words like those. <laughs> but backing horses, though it's a mug's game, is at any rate easy. There are too many complications in Leonard's fancy work for a simple child of nature like myself. I can't engineer a two cylinder gamble with a double back jump actuated by the calm shaft. The only man I know who could face it without mental overstrain is my bookmaker. He's a wonder. He'll give you fifteen different ways of perforating this problem inside a minute. No juggle figures can beat him. I don't know if you'd call it a talent or a disease, but I've not got it. As a competitor, I've failed, but I don't mind admitting that I've made a little actual money out of the competition. Jimmy smiled reminiscently. May we have the details? asked the chairman. I'd sooner you got them from Heseltine. The chairman called upon Mr. Heseltine. I don't wonder said the young man that jimmy don't like to tell you if i had stolen money from a crossing-sweeper in st james street i shouldn't be proud of it myself the silly ass thinks he scored off me but as i was out to lose a quid anyhow may we have the actual facts suggested the chairman certainly i was thinking about this problem and i got a sudden brainwave. i saw how to do the first half to win a bet of a pound that would leave me one pound down when i'd won it well i happened to be going up st james street with jimmy later that morning and by way of leading up to it, I asked him what he generally gave a street beggar. "'Nix,' he said, "'what do you?' So I told him that I generally gave a sovereign. He told me in his coarse sort of way that he didn't believe it. That was what I had expected. "'All right,' I said, "'I'll bet you a pound that I give two golden sovereigns to the next beggar or crossing-sweeper I come across.' He thought about it, and then said, "'I'll take that, and to guard against accidents I'll be the next beggar.' "'Give me a little assistance, kind sir.' Of course in that way he put himself on velvet whether i decided to win my bet or to lose it jimmy had to make one sovereign out of me didn't affect me at all for according to leonard i'd got to win my bet and lose a pound by it which i did the only person hit was the crossing-sweeper up the street who would otherwise have made two quid of course what i ought to have done was to have handed jimmy over to the police for begging wish i thought of it well i negotiated the first half of the problem but the second half beat me i'm inclined to think the sting of the beast is in its tail It takes two people to make a bet. I'm not a poet or any sort of imaginative chap, but I could think of a bet which, for a dead certainty, it would pay me to lose. I couldn't think of anybody, even including that rotter Jimmy, who'd be fool enough to take it. You must try somebody else, Mr. Chairman. Major Biles, the chairman suggested. As a head waiter, said the Major, I've got nothing against Leonard. As a sitter of problems, he's given general satisfaction. But this time, I should like to back my bill to the effect that he has mixed up too much arithmetic with the sport. I've spent a good month on this win-and-lose business, all the time with the feeling that a boy fresh from school would work out the whole thing on the back of an envelope in ten minutes. And I've done nothing. I spent the first fortnight at home, and at the end of it I had contracted insomnia, headache, and what you might call pardonable irritability. At the end of that time my wife said that of course she had noticed the change, and that I seemed to be doing sums all day, and that if we were ruined I'd better say so and she would face it bravely. I reassured her and came to town on important business. I used tons of the club notepaper for my calculations, put an undue strain on the club waste-paper baskets, quarrelled with two of my best friends, was sarcastic in addressing the club servants, and am expecting a letter from the committee to ask for my resignation. The amazing thing is that all the time I have been on the very point of getting the solution. In my opinion, it's the most horribly worrying thing that Leonard has ever given us. Well, said the chairman, artists are not generally supposed to be particularly strong at arithmetic. "'But I'll ask Mr. Wildersley what he's done about it.' "'Can't say I agree with the Major,' said Wildersley. "'I call it a jolly easy problem, and I claim to be a winner. "'Didn't take me any time to think of it, neither. "'I got a man into my studio to see alleged works of art, "'and I said to him that I would bet him a pound, "'I would give him two pounds. "'He took me. "'You've lost, I said. "'Pay up, and then I'll pay up. "'He ended me a sovereign, "'and I ended him two pounds of potatoes in a paper bag. "'So I'd won a pound in money, and lost two pounds in potatoes.' If you win one pound, and lose two, that makes a net loss of one pound on the transaction. And so I'd done the first half of the problem. The chap seemed to be grumbling, rather. What's the matter with you, I said. The Green told me they were the kind he eats himself, and that he could guarantee them. I don't want the beastly potatoes, he said. The whole thing's a dirty swindle. I thought he'd say that, so I told him it was no swindle, and I'd be willing to take the same bet myself. He jumped at it, but to make sure, he said he would bet me a sovereign he would give me two pounds i took him lost paid the sovereign and got back my two pounds of potatoes that finished the second half of the problem i'd lost a bet of one pound and had made two pounds given that cane of one pound naturally he wanted to know what i had done it for i said it was to stop him from trying to talk about art the chap's a critic mr matthews took two minutes and a brandy and soda before giving his decision as follows ingenious but it won't do Mr. Wildersley professes to have subtracted money to the value of a sovereign from two pounds by weight of potatoes, and to have got a result of one pound. Of what that pound consist? even after dinner we can't have mental confusion of this kind. The claim is disallowed. Mr. Harding Pope, MP, made an uninteresting confession of failure, and the chairman then called upon Mr. Quillian, K.C., who was acting as secretary for the evening. Mr. Quillian removed his pince-nez, and glanced around the room with that look of amiable superiority that some people find irritating I claim to have won this fairly simple competition he said of course it has a psychological as well as an arithmetical side the bets have to be actually made and not merely worked out on paper I made my plan one afternoon and then went over to my club to see if I could find my friend Blenkinsop. He is generally at the club at that hour and I felt sure that he would accept the two bets that I had to propose well as it happened blenkinsop was not at the club but i found mr Pusley smythe alone in the smaller reading-room i have had to submit to a good deal of chaff, not particularly amusing from pusely smythe and by way of return it seemed appropriate that he should help me to win our one hundred and ten pound prize also if he will forgive me for saying so he has just the commonplace shrewdness that i required in my victim after a little preliminary conversation i produced my sovereign case I told him that there was a certain sum of money in gold in that case, and that I was willing to bet him a sovereign I would make him a present of it. He said, as I knew he would, that this meant that the sum of money in the case was half a sovereign, and that in consequence he would lose ten shillings on the transaction if he took the bet. Yes, I said, there is that possibility, but I am willing to protect you against it by a second bet. We will agree that the loser by the first transaction shall have the option to give the other man double what he has lost for double the sum now in my sovereign case and I will bet you a sovereign that he will not exercise that option. You see how it works out. If the sum in my sovereign case is half a sovereign, as you suppose, you will lose ten shillings on the first transaction, but you will win a sovereign on the second transaction by exercising an option to exchange twenty shillings for twenty shillings. Without taking the time to think, he accepted both bets. I then opened my sovereign case and showed him that it contained two pounds. I gave them to him, and as, by so doing, I had won my bet, he gave one of them back again. Kindly observe that I had now solved the first part of Leonard's problem. I had won an even bet of one pound, the net result of which was that I had lost a pound. Having made myself the loser on the first transaction, I now had the option to exchange twice my loss against twice the sum that had been in the sovereign case. That is, to exchange two pounds for four pounds. I had bet that the loser would not exercise this option. I lost the bet, and exercised the option. Thus, I lost an even bet of one pound, with the net result that I made one pound. This settles the second half of the problem. I await, sir, with confidence, your decision in my favour. Mr. Matthews referred once more to the terms of the problem. Yes, he said, it seems to me that you have met all Leonard's requirements. Very smart bit of work, in my opinion. You take the club check for one hundred and ten pounds. "'unless, of course, some claim to share it with you is substantiated. "'Is there any such claim?' "'Naturally, there's mine,' said Pusley Smythe, with his deceptive air of melancholy. "'Yours? How did you do it?' "'My learned friend has just been telling you. "'I was going away for a brief and well-end holiday, "'and I had decided to give the competition a miss this time. "'As I was sitting in the club, studying a guidebook, "'in came Quillian, looking like a thimble-rigger, "'who had just set up his little plush-covered table.' he offered me his first bet. I put it aside. He offered the second, and he says I didn't take time to think. Thought with me does not take the prolonged period of gestation that it does in the case of the nobler animals, such as K.C.'s. I thought two thoughts. The first was that Quillian was out after this competition. The second was that when two men gamble together, what one wins, the other loses, and vice versa. That was enough. I took him. He won the first bet, but lost a pound by it. It follows that I lost the first bet, but won a pound by it. Similarly, when he lost the bet, but won a pound, I won the bet, and lost a pound. It's all very simple and elementary. I hope he's going to make a victim of me again soon. This time, without any effort on my part, he has shoved fifty-five pounds at me. I've only had to take it. And I don't care whether it was benevolence or mental short-sightedness, I'm going to thank him just the same. The claim's allowed, of course, said the chairman. The thing that makes me mad is that I didn't see it myself until you pointed it out. It's obvious. It simply shrieks at you. My mind must be going. The menu that you devised for our dinner tonight, sir, said Pusely Smythe, was sufficient proof of the contrary. Those that study the recondite must sometimes find the obvious out of their focus. Thank you, said Mr. Matthews. I'll learn the last sentence by heart. It'll make a ripping excuse next time I do a damn silly thing. Checks were drawn for Quillian and Pusely Smythe and the chairman then opened the envelope containing the problem that Leonard had set for the following month. It was titled, The Handkerchief Problem, and on the face of it scarcely supported the theory that the ingenious Leonard was a great moral teacher. The Honorable James Feldane was reminded that it would be his duty to preside on the next occasion, and to adjudicate on this problem, which was as follows. It is required to steal as many handkerchiefs as possible from a member or members of the problem club. Violence may not be used, and thefts detected in the act will not score restitution will be made of the stolen handkerchiefs within twenty-four hours of the adjudication The felonious intent is to be presumed in every case rotten luck said feldane to his friend heseltine i should have enjoyed working on this problem it appeals to my natural instincts i should probably have won it and in that case might have given one or two of them something on account and so this has to be the occasion when i'm shut out of the competition and have to act as chairman Yes, said Heseltine. Nobody's so sure of himself as the non-starter. End of chapter 4